Hello and welcome to our very first episode of You Have It Here First, your one-stop shop for naturopathic approaches to all things health and wellness with absolutely nothing off limits and no topic too taboo. I'm your host, Taylor Clyde from Taylor Clyde Naturopathy, and with me are my beautiful co-hosts, Dominique McGuire from The Pillars Naturopathy and Kitty DeBordieu from Toll Totem Naturopathy. Hello, everyone. Hello, gals. How are we? Really good. So happy to be here. Me too. Ready to talk about vaginas. Yes. Spoiler alert. <laughs> We're going to talk about vaginas. Thanks, Kitty. Thank you. <laughs> Tying into taboo topics, I think it's only natural we'd begin season one, episode one, by exploring a couple of very prominent vaginal conditions, specifically thrush and bacterial vaginosis, or BV, as we like to call it. But before we delve into the weird and wonderful world of vaginas, I think our listeners may want to know who they'll be spending their time with. So let's get started. Domi, Dominique. Hello. We call her Domi here. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Talk us through how you've ended up as a naturopath. Give us a little intro. So I was studying medical science at uni many, many years ago. Feels like a lifetime ago now. Um, but I've always loved all things health and all things human body. But I had my own health issues that were going on at the time. I was put on pharmaceutical medication without much consideration for my diet or lifestyle. And I think a lot of people can probably relate to that. But, you know, I was never asked how much I was sleeping, how much exercise I was doing or, you know, anything really about what I was eating as well and how much caffeine I was drinking (laughs) and how much alcohol I was drinking as well. And, you know, medication that I was on ironically led to a whole array of new issues, including gaining over 20 kilos of weight, which was a really interesting sort of experience to go through. And it also gave me incredible social anxiety and a complete loss of libido, which also is not very fun. But I kept going back to my doctor who just kept increasing my dose. And again, I think a lot of people can probably relate to that as well. But I just had been let down by the conventional medical system essentially. And I started looking for alternative methods of treating my own health. And that's when I found naturopathy. I found that, you know, it aligned with my beliefs so much more than the medical science degree I was doing at the time. And you know, the body has this incredible ability to heal itself. So I jumped ship to a naturopathy degree. I met you guys and now I have an incredibly fulfilling career as a naturopath and I have never looked back. Um, I also, (laughs) I know it's exciting, Um, but I practice on Sydney's Northern Beaches. I see clients face-to-face in Mona Vale, but I also do a lot of online consults as well. I have a special interest in gut health, naturopathic sports, nutrition, sustainable weight loss, restoring absent menstrual cycles, and also thyroid health. What can't she do is the real question. (laughs) Round of applause, please. (laughs) I'll get off stage now. (laughs) My hero for real. (laughs) What about you, Kitty? Tell us about how you got into naturopathy. So I started off working in hospitality. I did that for a few years in my early 20s, kind of got into the party lifestyle, um, was, you know, had some really bad habits. I struggled a lot with mental health and disordered eating. I then did the medical runaround, saw specialist after specialist and couldn't get any answers. I was just put on a plethora of pharmaceuticals, um, which obviously didn't really help in the long term. And then one day mum was like, why don't we just go see a naturopath? Because she was seeing a naturopath for her own health reasons at the beginning as well. I met my naturopath. She did a full 
you know, examination of what was going on. She corrected nutrients deficiencies. She taught me how to, you know, improve my lifestyle, all of these kinds of things. And I started to heal from that. And then obviously after seeing her, I was like, I have to, I have to do this. So I actually enrolled into the Bachelor of Health Science, Nutrition and Dietetics course in the beginning. Um, I did a semester in that and then I jumped over to the herbs because I kind of fell in love with the idea of herbal medicine. And now I have graduated. I met these girls at uni, which is probably the highlight, let's be honest. And now I have a little clinic space where I see clients face-to-face and online down in Wollongong. And a few areas that I like to see are anything gut-related, bloating, diarrhea, constipation, any skin conditions like acne, eczema. And then I love vaginal health, so thrush, BV, all of those kinds of things, and then preconception care. So getting your body ready to house a baby. Love it. And Taylor. What about you? Okay, my journey began with chronic acne in my teens. I went and got on the pill. I feel like around that age, it's kind of cool to be put on the pill as well. And the prospect of getting bigger boobs, I was like, yeah, sign me up, baby. Then I got all these side effects. I gained a lot of weight. I became quite depressed. And at the time, I didn't really link it with the pill. But live, laugh, love, it was a pill. So I came off the pill and I started looking into food as medicine, cleaned up my diet, cleaned up my lifestyle to an extent. You know, I was in my early 20s, late teens at this point. I was still probably going to eat, sleep, rave, repeat. But all these little changes made such a big impact to my health and my overall well-being. I was so empowered that I was like, I want to look into this deeper. So I went and enrolled in a Bachelor of Health Science, naturopathy, met these beautiful gals. Now I started a podcast. I'm working predominantly from a clinic in Sydney, Sutherland Shire called Ingadine. Um, nope, the clinic's not called Ingadine. The suburb is called Ingadine. The clinic is called Body Belief Therapies. And I, being a PCOS girly, love all things female repro. I love gut health, skin, and nervous system regulation because I think that's such a big part of so many case presentations, especially in this day and age with how crazy and chaotic life is. But enough about me and us. Let's get into the nitty gritty, ladies. Now, I don't know about you two, but talking with my girlfriend, seeing clients in clinic, there's a borderline epidemic of recurrent thrush and bacterial vaginosis. And the statistics show that around 75% of women in their lifetime will experience thrush. So let's start with thrush today. First and foremost, though, we'll be talking a lot about the vaginal microbiome. Kitty, why don't you start us off with a little definition to explain what the hell is the vaginal microbiome? Absolutely, Tay-Tay. And I'm so excited that we're talking about this today because I think it is one of those conditions that is actually really difficult to speak about with your friends. So I think it's really important that we actually bring it to the table and make it more comfortable, you know, when we're talking about it in conversation. So similar to the gut microbiome, we have a vaginal microbiome and essentially it refers to the community of microorganisms, so like bacteria and fungi, that will naturally live in a woman's vagina. And these specific microorganisms they play a crucial role in maintaining vaginal health and can impact various aspects of a woman's well-being. Taylor, do you want to tell us a little bit more about the symptoms that come with thrush? Absolutely. So vaginal thrush, also known as yeast infection, is 
a condition where there is an overgrowth of a type of fungus called candida in the vagina. Now, candida is a natural occurring fungus, but it is when it overgrows, we start seeing symptoms like vulva itching. I remember actually, Kitty, <laughs> I think it was you. <laughs> Don't. I know what you're going to say. Don't. <laughs> One time she was explaining how bad the itch was and she was like, you could literally sit on a brick. <laughs> Now, I'm sorry, everyone, who's going to have that image, but (laughs) I have a plethora of health conditions. Thrush is something I just haven't got. So thank you, Lord, if you're listening. It honestly, it's so itchy. And so uncomfortable. So, so so uncomfortable. But we've also got things like, side note, uh, this public service announcement, if you are eating please put your food down because we've got the cottage cheese excess discharge. Surely we need to find a different description for that. Why does it always relate to food? Always, always. And I love cottage cheese as well. And literally thrush has ruined it for me. We've also got swelling and redness of the vagina and vulva. Sometimes you can experience painful sex, stinging when peeing, but definitely the cottage cheese discharge I think is the most evident symptom women come across. But a lot of the time it can be asymptomatic as well. Yeah, I have seen that a little bit where people have one or two symptoms, but then you do a vaginal microbiome and they do have thrush, but sometimes they don't have that cottage cheese type discharge so it's common I think a lot of people as well don't even realize what normal discharge is I know that a lot of my clients as well when we're sort of discussing whether someone's actually ovulating or not they're kind of like well what does normal discharge look like having an image cottage cheese is actually really helpful to sort of identify whether it's actually something that is abnormal but if it is paired with you know this sort of itchiness or discomfort definitely get it checked out And mass amounts of discharge anyway is not normal. You know, I have so many clients come in and they're like, you know, I have discharge all cycle. They have it all the time and they have to wear pads and change their undies and stuff. Not normal. Mm. Common, but not normal. Mm. Question. Why are we being taught Pythagoras theorem in school, but we simply (laughs) have no idea what's going on with our bodies? What is that about? Could not agree more. And I think that'll be, you know, something that we sort of discuss in another episode, but like the menstrual cycle on its own, mm. it's it's sort of yes. like so many of my clients actually have no idea what estrogen does, what progesterone is, if they're ovulating, why is ovulation important? So completely agree, you know, do we actually need to know pi or whatever yeah. it is? <laughs> um, e equals MC squared. <laughs> so we as naturopaths like to look at root causes in treating conditions. So what are some sort of root causes behind the development of thrush? Obviously, if you have a really healthy vaginal microbiome, these things may not impact your vaginal microbiome. It's only when you have what we call a dysbiosis, so an imbalance in the uh, microbiome that can trigger the flares. So, you know, if you have a dysbiosis, a high sugar diet, a high carb diet will not do great things because candida feeds on sugar and high carbs, you know, white carbs turn into sugar. That's one of the main things. Another is like sweaty gym pants and swimmers. So candida also loves heat. So if you're giving it like that hot, sweaty environment, it's going to overgrow if you've got that dysbiosis as well. 
a pH imbalance, so it needs to stay within a certain range to maintain a healthy microbiome. So it actually needs to stay on the more acidic side, which kind of seems weird because you're like, ah, acidic vagina doesn't, you know, doesn't seem like it should be acidic, but it really needs to be acidic to maintain that healthy microbiome. You know, when that flips to an alkaline environment, that gives the bacteria and fungi a perfect place to overgrow as well. What sort of things can contribute to a more alkaline vagina? So, bow, bow, male semen. <gasps> a, I know. Girl, is that man worth ruining your pH? <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, the male's um, semen is really alkaline. So when you're having unprotected sex, that semen entering the vaginal microbiome kind of flips that environment and it goes from acidic to alkaline, which is why if there is a dysbiosis there and it does flip to alkaline, you can get that overgrowth. Can I digress for two seconds? Did you guys ever see that trend when girls were putting semen on their faces face masks? (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. What was that supposed to achieve again? A glowy, hydrated face. Very sticky face. Each to their own. (laughs) You do you, boo. If that's your shtick, if that is what you're into, go for it. Sorry, I digressed. And back on topic. The last main ones that can cause thrush and BV is obviously antibiotic use. So when you're taking antibiotics, they are wiping out, you know, the bad bacteria and it also wipes out the good bacteria. And when you have low beneficial bacteria in your vagina, it doesn't have the means to eradicate any bacterial and fungal overgrowth. So antibiotic use is a really common one. Yeah. I can totally relate to that one. I definitely think a lot of people listening definitely can as well. You know, how many times have you taken antibiotics and literally just gotten thrush after? I remember my doctor once upon a time actually just said every time you take antibiotics, also get the one dose of fluconazole, which is the one tablet for it's an antifungal for reducing thrush, a thrush overgrowth or candida overgrowth. But you know, is that actually addressing the cause? Absolutely not. And it's just sort of wiping more things out. Every time I've taken antibiotics, I've gotten thrush. So same. And I think, you know, even back in the day, I was sort of similar to you, Taylor. I was, I had really bad acne as a a teenager and I was taking antibiotics for such a long period of time. And now knowing what I know, I'm kind of, I cringe at the thought. It was months and months and months for potentially years. It was such a long time, but to sort of think about that impact on all of the microbiomes, you know, my gut microbiome, my vaginal microbiome as well. It definitely, (laughs) it's not a positive thing. That's for sure. Well, it's essentially like a giant bomb in your gut. Yeah. Like a grenade, isn't it? My little soldiers in my microbiome, they're they're struggling. Seriously, I feel so sorry for my little soldiers. <laughs> uh, another meme. Have you seen all the me and the girls when we get drafted into war? No. Oh, no. Um, okay, I'm not even going to bother, but they're hilarious. Taylor is a big TikToker and Kitty and I are not. <laughs> I'm obsessed. <laughs> Never mind. I digress again. Someone needs to put me on a leash. <laughs> anyway. Back to thrush, back to vaginas. Are there any other causes, Kitty? 
Um, yeah, a couple more that we'll just touch on. Obviously, there are so many different causes, but the main ones we've just gone over, plus underlying bacterial overgrowth. So sometimes when you have thrush, um, obviously there's candida there, but there can actually be a bacterial overgrowth in the vaginal microbiome that can be kind of like pushing that thrush is the best way to describe it. So you've got that kind of causative factor actually um, determining whether or not the thrush is overgrowing or not. And then we always look at the immune system. If the immune system is under-functioning, it doesn't have the means to fight off any overgrowth of bacteria or fungi. So looking at the whole body, looking at immune system, you know, diet, lifestyle. Yeah, I think that's so important as well because, you know, when we do testing and sort of look at what actually is going on in the vaginal microbiome and, you know, is it actually candida or, you know, a fungal infection that is actually driving those symptoms? Not always the case. And I think just taking the antifungals and it sort of be recurrent, it's definitely not one, addressing the root cause, and two, it, it actually may not be targeting the right species of pathogen, of the sort of bad, bad guy. Can you also explain the link between, you know, sometimes there is a point in the cycle it can flare more often well, yeah, there's a hormonal link where people do have these flare-ups of symptoms at different points in their cycle. And I think that's why with my clients, I always recommend to track their cycle and not just list today I got my period and then that's sort of it. It's also listing all of those sort of symptoms, vaginal flare-ups or, you know, of any sort of symptoms where there's sort of changes in cervical mucus or discharge or, you know, itchiness. And then also listing other sort of physical symptoms, headaches, sore breasts. It gives us so much more information about what's actually happening with the hormones, which maybe also sort of causing that flare-up and exacerbating those symptoms. Yeah, and the vaginal pH testing throughout the menstrual yeah. cycle is a really good way of doing that as well. Definitely. It's actually quite an easy thing to do. So, you know, yeah, you can sort of use pH strips or pH indicators to sort of test your pH um, throughout the cycle, which can be really interesting because if you've sort of got this, I guess, alkaline environment throughout your menstrual cycle that are sort of exacerbated or triggered by a hormonal imbalance, then we can sort of identify that and then obviously correct that. The main hormone is estrogen, right? So that's mm. why we see thrush very common in, say, pregnant women or women with excess estrogen, even taking the oral contraceptive pill. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. I think that's really important as well. Do you want to give us a little rundown of the types of treatments for any kind of vaginal dysbiosis cases? Absolutely. So I think as naturopaths, we do like testing because testing gives us so much information about what's actually happening internally or, you know, externally as well. Pinpoints, exactly. And because it sort of saves us a lot of time as well, we can sort of trial and error. But to save that and to sort of actually address the root cause from the get go, we do like testing. So when it comes to the vaginal microbiome, we can do a vaginal microbiome profile, which is a test. Basically, we refer you the pathology company will send you a kit and then you do an internal vaginal swab yourself, send it back to the laboratory, and then we receive the results. And those results, you know, it's such a comprehensive document where we actually identify different sort of species that may be exacerbating your symptoms. And it also gives us information whether there's, you know, the fungal overgrowth, whether there's a bacterial overgrowth, what's happening with your your good bacteria, so the beneficial bacteria, because we want, you know, a good population of beneficial bacteria. And if we're sort of taking antibiotics or antifungals or, you know, those sort of medications, then we can be wiping those populations out as well. So in terms of beneficial bacteria, what is the main sort of species we'll be focusing on when looking at the vaginal microbiome? 
When it comes to the gut microbiome, I think we sort of, the the big difference between them is that in the gut microbiome, we want a really diverse population of beneficial bacteria. So, you know, some of the species are the bifidobacterium and the lactobacillus strains. But when it comes to the vaginal microbiome, we actually don't want a diverse population. We sort of want just the lactobacillus strain itself. And obviously there's a few different species of that strain of of beneficial bacteria, but we want a healthy population. We also don't want too much, but we don't want too little as well. So looking at that balance and we want to support that healthy population so that it can sort of manage those overgrowths and bring things back into balance itself. Yeah, that's a good point about the not having too many uh, bacteria in your vagina because we've spoken about this before, but there is so much you can put in your vagina. It's insane. And I see clients come in and they're like, I'm putting this up my vagina, I'm putting this, this, this. And it's sometimes, you know, you think you're doing the right thing by putting so many products in there, but it's actually throwing the balance off and potentially overgrowing. Yeah. Well, you look at even tampons. If you're not getting organic tampons, there could be a plethora of chemicals you're just shoving up your vagina. I know, and they just sit there for hours at a time. But we want to make sure that if you're using a menstrual cup, obviously you're, you know, sterilizing it in between uses um, effectively. But also organic tampons is really important as well because it is, it's such a sensitive area. You know, before I learned more about this area, I did not realize how much you could actually insert internally at all. You can insert different probiotics to actually help that lactobacillus population as well. And also, you know, the vaginal herbal herbal creams, which are incredible. And we can sort of target them for different bacteria, different pathogens, so candida. And then we have access to so, so many different herbs that are amazing for those sort of different populations. And they can be strain specific as well. So when we're using, say, an antifungal, we're sort of wiping out everything or we're using antibiotics. It's not, it's sort of a broad spectrum approach, I guess. And so when we're, you know, when we use these herbs, there's some of them that can be antimicrobial for some different species, but actually sort of allowing that good bacteria to actually thrive as well, which is really cool. We have irrigation. So that's also, you know, different solutions that we can also insert internally as well and supplements as well. So, you know, again, probiotics, really, really beneficial when we are sort of trying to improve the good bacteria populations. When we do, you know, focus on treatment, we are improving diet, improving lifestyle as well. And sort of lifestyle factors obviously come down to sleep and sleep hygiene as well as stress management that's really important especially for our immune system and you know a lot of people actually aren't the type of people that can sort of sit still and meditate and I think it's really important that we sort of don't just think of stress management as sitting and meditating for an hour a day or something you know it's sort of making small changes to actually improve your your mental health and your physical health as well because stress has a significant impact on physical health too but you know we want to improve gut function as well so our gut health Uh, because that does play a role in our vaginal microbiome. We want to identify, obviously, everything that is going on so that we can actually see, you know, positive results and long-lasting results and prevent this from reoccurring because, you know, recurrent infections are what we sort of see. Someone will have this thrush and you take the antifungal and as soon as you stop taking it, it comes back. Yeah, treating thrush Western medicine-wise, a lot of people turn to caniston or over-the-counter antifungals. And obviously, if it's an itch you can't scratch, get the medication. But with recurrent thrush, these candida, it was a very, very smart little guy. If there's consistent use of things like caniston cream, they develop a biofilm, which is basically a force field that protects it from our immune system and our thrush creams. That could be a reason why you keep getting recurrent thrush as well. Yeah, because they become resistant. That's a really good point, Tay-Tay. In terms of preventative measures for thrush, what can our listeners do? 
So I think the one that popped up the most was those refined carbs and sugars. Diet, baby. Diet. It's huge. Swapping to cotton or bamboo underwear because those fibers are breathable and they don't trap in the heat and the moisture like the synthetic. That is a really, really important point to make that wearing breathable underwear and taking wet swimmers off, wet, sweaty, you know, active wear after you've done that sweaty gym session, take them off, have a shower. We don't necessarily want to go in there with your femme fresh and your vaginal washers. They are just full of chemicals that can impact the vaginal microbiome in a negative sense as well. So those things that say that they're going to make your vagina smell like a bunch of roses, your vagina is not supposed to smell like a bunch of roses. So avoid them. Your vagina actually cleans itself. I was actually listening to something on the radio the other day and it was, I don't know how good the study was, but they were talking about men changing their underwear. So they interviewed these men over a period of time and 20% of men wore the same underwear from Monday to Friday. Sorry? Stop it. And then they were like, oh, but there are certain occasions where you like might wear your undies twice. But what were the occasions? Special occasions, apparently. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, oh my, imagine, imagine wearing the same pair of undies Monday to Friday. I mean, if that's your thing, you do that, but like your vagina will not be happy. No. No, we talk about sterilizing our menstrual cups. Babs, how do we sterilize a penis? (laughs) (laughs) So good. That's an interesting image as well. (laughs) One time, speaking of sterilizing, for some reason I have to learn things the hard way. Post braces, I had my retainer and I was like, I'm going to sterilize this. (laughs) What does she do? Boiled it. In a cup of boiling hot water. (laughs) Melted. That's a good lesson, though, because menstrual cup, we boil them to sterilize them, but they're made of silicon. So not plastic. That's how, you know, boiling water is actually great for a menstrual (laughs) cup. Not so good for your Invisalign or your (laughs) retainers. Alrighty, so let's also talk about bacterial vaginosis because I think that's one that's not as spoken about and not as known as thrush. I think when anyone thinks of vaginal infections or, you know, if someone has like itchiness or something, they sort of instantly think of thrush. I know that I did previous to my naturopathy degree, but it shouldn't take you a naturopathy degree to actually understand what's going on in your vagina. So bacterial vaginosis, it's a common vaginal infection where there is an imbalance in normal bacteria that live in the vagina. So it's different from thrush because it's a bacterial infection, hence the name bacterial vaginosis, which we also call BV, but BV is driven by a bacteria called Gardnerella whereas thrush is an overgrowth of fungi called candida. So, Taylor, do you want to tell us the symptoms of BV and how it's different from thrush? Yeah, so in terms of BV, we're looking at a grey-whitish discharge. I think the most prevalent symptom is the smelly, fishy odour that comes with BV. BV, although these physical symptoms, there is such a psychological component to this as well that's impacting not only Mm. your mental health but your sexual health. Even walking around in public, I've had friends who they're like, oh, can you smell me? It's Mm. Just walking around with that fear that you can be smelt. Yeah. Uh, My heart goes out for the ladies with BV, let me tell you. But then we have the itching and the irritation again. But BVs also can be asymptomatic. It's Mm. asymptomatic in around 50% of cases. I think also, you know, I have a lot of friends who I've spoken to about Mm. vaginal issues and they're quite open about it. And they're like, wait, vaginas aren't supposed to smell that bad like there's so many people walking around with bv it's no one's fault we're just not educated about it but it's actually not supposed to smell 
awful and offensive. Um, it's not really supposed to have a smell. That's a really good point. <laughs> well, vaginas smell like vaginas. Totally. But not that fishy, yeah. in-your-face no. smell. But not roses either, my gals. Not <laughs> roses. No. So, Kitty, do you want to tell us the causes of BV? Yes. So, obviously, we've we've got that bacterial overgrowth. So, beneficial bacteria do play a part in it. Similar to thrush, we've got diet, lifestyle, stress, immune system picture again. Um and then we've also got the unprotected sex. So that's a really big one as well, because some men actually carry the bacteria that can cause BV in women, although men are not always asymptomatic because they have a completely different bacterial colony to the vagina. That reminds me mm. of a little something. What do you call it? <laughs> Thrush ping pong. <laughs> Thrush ping pong. So similar thrush, there can be penile thrush. In terms of treatment, you do want to be also treating your partner if you guys are having regular intercourse. And wearing protection. And if you have multiple sex partners as well, you know, for general consideration of those partners, you need to be letting them know as well. You know, it can be a really uncomfortable conversation, but we just kind of want to make sure that everyone's being treated. So doing more thrush ping pong along the grapevine. We just want that thrush (laughs) gone. can imagine that it's not necessarily a comfortable conversation to have, but we need to talk about this more often so that we do normalize it and reduce that stigma around it because it's so common. It's so, so common. And using protection when you are treating yourself as well as your partner, different condoms can actually impact your symptoms as well. So if you sort of notice that you are having a reaction to different lubricants or different condoms. So if I guess if you notice that something is flaring things up after you would use a, a one type of condom or a different type of lubricant, then maybe switch it up and use something like a water-based lubricant or a different type of condoms that aren't um, as... The skin brand, Skin, S-K-Y-N, is that the yeah. how you say that? That's a yep. good brand. Um, that's a pretty popular one that's safe for the old vagina. Safety first. Safety is sexy. <laughs> exactly. Safety is sexy. I agree. I agree. Focusing on prevention where possible is always going to be beneficial. We, as naturopaths, focus on a lot is prevention because it's easier than treating an infection. So if we can sort of improve your overall health from a diet perspective, from a lifestyle perspective, improving gut function, improving, you know, immune system um, function as well, addressing nutritional deficiencies because that is really important for your entire health as well as also addressing any hormonal imbalances, whether that be, you know, female reproductive hormones, um, male hormones as well, your androgens, as well as thyroid hormones, insulin levels, all of the hormones. So I think that, you know, we do take a really comprehensive and thorough approach when it comes to any of our clients' health because that's how we actually see those long-lasting results. It's not just the vagina that we're working on, I think. You know, even sometimes in our consults, we sort of start asking all these questions about all these different things and the client's kind of like, look, I came in here for my vagina and you're asking me about about my ears? Like what? It's like, you're asking me if I have brain fog? <laughs> yeah it's like my brain's not in my badge um but sometimes no <laughs> yeah I think you know that is what is the beauty of naturopathy is that we address the whole body and focus on really supporting the body's ability to heal itself Definitely. that brings us to the end of this episode thank you so much for listening 
We are going to have at the end of this season a little Q&A episode where we answer all of your questions. So if you have any questions from today's episode, any questions at all really, head over to youherbertherefirst.pod on Instagram, send us a little DM and we'll add that into our episode. We can't wait to see you next time when we'll be talking about some bad diets, which will be a really interesting episode. Bye. Bye.